Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Always Aggravated, a Mike Valenti signature podcast. This week on Always Aggravated, really, really excited. This guy's becoming a superstar. He's got 70 different things going on. Uh, He left Barstool. He's become even bigger. Pat McAfee Show 2.0. He's just signing a deal with WWE. He just got done calling a game for Fox, Lions, and Packers. This guy's awesome. It's Pat McAfee in our conversation with him. So our guest this week on Always Aggravated is uh, an electric factory. As they say, everything this dude touches turns to gold right now. He has the number two podcast on iTunes, the Pat McAfee Show 2.0. He just came off calling his first NFL game on Fox. Just signed a deal with WWE. He's a madman. He is Pat McAfee. Pat, what's going on? Boys, thanks for having me on. And thanks for those incredibly great and nice words you just said there. It's all pretty ridiculous. I'm just trying to enjoy the hell out of the day, man. No, it's it, Pat, I think that's part of the story I love, though. It's just, I, I remember when you walked away from the league, my first reaction was, this dude's out of his goddamn mind. And then you started kind of seeing the plan unfold. Obviously, you had gone to Barstool, you did some different things. Then the reasons why you left the Colts came out. But, I mean, when you decided to do it, you had no self-doubt. I know you've said that. Like, you just knew you had a plan and you went with it. Well, I, I don't think you can have self-doubt in anything you do. I think you have to be smart about what you're trying to do. I think a lot of people try to do things that they're not supposed to do, and then that kind of beats them up that they can't do it. I, I kind of pick and choose. If I suck at something, I know I suck at it, and I don't attempt it again. Um, that's why you'll never see me playing video games much. I am terrible dexterity with my thumbs. I can't control shit. But um, I... I the NFL was a league that I was such a huge fan of ever since I was a kid. I'm from Pittsburgh. I assume Pittsburgh is much like Detroit. Everybody grows up playing football. Everybody grows up watching football. We are an NFL household. So uh, my parents were diehard Steelers fans. My dad used to throw the remote, and when Cordell Stewart would make a mistake whenever I was a kid. I mean, it was. I've been an NFL fan my entire life. So getting to play in the NFL was awesome. It was really really cool. But it got to the point where the league deserves your full attention. So if you're taking, and, and especially whenever it comes with punting, there's only 32 jobs. The league deserves the respect of you giving a full attention to your job, especially all the other punters out there that are incredible at kicking balls. And for me, I just I fell out of love with being uh, in the NFL and kicking balls on fourth downs when the offense fails. It's just I started enjoying everything off the field. I was doing stand-up. I was doing radio. I was doing a lot of philanthropy stuff. I took care of my family. I took care of my friends financially, which is I'm lucky the NFL did. And it just got to the point where I was like, I want to divert my focus to something else and somewhere else instead of 100% on kicking balls. And it just I wasn't enjoying it anymore. So I said, you know what? Let's go for it. And it's been a lot of fun. We haven't succeeded in everything that uh, me and my friends have tried to do, but 
We're just enjoying the day and see how it goes, brother. Well, it didn't. It didn't help. You were working for a complete jerk in Ryan Grigson. That <laughs> that story that came out, and I want you to tell our listeners about it. I don't want to spoil it, but I, I think like everyone who's a big football fan, or you do this job, you look at it and you notice guys off. Like you know something's wrong, and then you told a story about the meeting that forced you to walk. Yeah, it, it was like the the straw that broke the camel's back. I guess is it was just. I, I was staring down my third knee surgery in four years. I was playing with a dislocated kneecap in my kicking leg. And although I am nowhere near as tough as the other positions, your kneecap is a pretty important part of punting a football. So I was, I could barely walk uh, after days I was kicking. It was just, I was in a lot of pain, but I was doing my job at a high level. So my teammates deserved me to keep going. And that GM and I did not see eye to eye from day one, basically. He didn't think I was funny. He didn't enjoy that I was probably the biggest player on our team personality-wise when it came to Indianapolis. I mean, I can't really walk down the street in Indianapolis much. It's a lot of pictures. Everything I do gets documented, basically. It's a, it's a really cool thing the way this city has taken me in. I don't think he enjoyed that. He just He and I did not get along. I didn't... I didn't have much respect for the way he handled his position. He didn't have much respect for me. And it just got to this point where the final year, I kind of knew I was about done. I knew that I wanted to, to change uh, uh, course for my life so I can be happy on a daily basis and also fully commit to something again like I did to punting whenever I was a rookie and such. And we had a meeting where he wanted to find – we just lost by 20, I think, on Thanksgiving Day – Biggest turkey bowl in the world. Pittsburgh Steelers travel travel to Lucas Oil Stadium, my hometown team. A lot of eyes on that game. All you do in Thanksgiving, you eat turkey, stuffing, apple pie. You celebrate a nice American holiday, and then you watch football. So there's a lot of eyes on that Colt Steelers game. And we would have got shut out if it wasn't for a fake punt that we pulled in the early in the game. And I, I it, he called me into his office. On Monday, the following Monday, so we had the weekend off, and I thought he was going to like thank me and like maybe extend a, a, an olive branch for our friendship, and it was the complete opposite. He pulled up a picture I posted on the internet like two weeks before. Then he told me that was the reason why we were losing games. He told me Jesus. that I am the reason why our team is not a success. He basically went on this run, just talking about how me posting this picture from our equipment room. Uh, was the reason why we lost by 20-some on Thanksgiving Day and told me he was going to find me a, a, a massive amount of money for it and all this stuff. And I, I think I think in that, that type of conversation, he felt probably as if there was going to be no return fire. Um, but I, I was already at the point where I was leaving the NFL after that year, and I wasn't going to be a Colt anyways. So I figured, fuck it, I'm going to respond to this. And I went on a nice little tangent telling him that the, the fact that he's worrying about this photo and not protecting a quarterback that he paid $140 million is probably the reason why we're losing games. And it, it became a situation that obviously uh, escalated quickly with him while I'm walking out of his office attempting to throw me out of his office. And I already told him I was on his way out. It just wasn't a... It wasn't a kosher situation there. It was he and I back and forth. I ended up getting fined 15000 for it, the picture two days later. And it's just, 
it was just, it was a lot of things that led up to me being like, you know what? I don't want to make money this way anymore. I don't want to fully focus on this anymore. I don't want to put my knees in any more risk anymore. And especially after that conversation, this is just, it's football. This is ridiculous. And, uh, it was just, it, it was a lot of signs pointing to me to go ahead and move on from the NFL. And I'm very happy that I did. I do miss representing the NFL. That's why I was happy to get back in the booth this weekend. But, uh, I've been enjoying the hell out of life, man. I have being my own boss and being a small business owner has been pretty cool. Yeah, no, and that's I, it. Was just funny because I remember when I read those quotes. I think it was 2016 that that story came out, and I'm like, the balls on this guy when a punter goes into the GM's office and essentially tells him to kiss his ass. That's like outer space land. Maybe no. the quarterback, maybe the star running back, not the not the punter. That was that was outer space. Uh, I understand that completely, but I think um, the way you view the punting position is one that a lot of people view the punting position, but in my eyes, I don't really think your position matters if you're good at your job, your right. peers respect you, and uh, to be honest, you can be who you can afford to be. He couldn't cut me. I was the best kickoff and punter guy in the league. Correct. He knew that. I knew that, so let's just... Uh, and somebody needs to say something. To uh, well, yeah. uh, and then he, he eventually the, got shit canned, so it all worked out in the wash. Well, then he ended up at the Browns, got shit canned from there too, and then now he's in Seattle, which maybe they're going to win. And you know what? I haven't talked to Grigson literally since that meeting, so I have no idea if he's changed or he, he's given interviews since being fired where he, he said he hadn't acted like a human and he thinks he changed a little bit in the position, which I can understand there's a lot of pressure on him and stuff. So. Would, would would Ryan Grigson and I ever be friends in the future? I have no idea, but I do know our time together was not one where we were friendly with each other. I wanted to go to something too, because Pat, you got to understand, I'm from the East Coast, and when I, you know, like you, obviously you went to West Virginia. West Virginia is one of these places that scares the shit out of me and fascinates me all at the same time. I know if you're you're you know in and around Pittsburgh, it's not a big deal. It's you know ten minutes away, but. What the hell is Morgantown like? Because it's a madhouse on Saturday, but I worry about you know Monday through Friday. Are you from Jersey? I'm from I'm from New York. Okay, so well, New York not as much, but half of the students that go to WVU are from Jersey. It's like the really uh, University of New Jersey at West Virginia. Basically, <laughs> it's a uh, that was back when Jersey Shore was hot too. So I was, oh boy. I was right in the middle of all the fist pump and beautiful action in Morgantown, West Virginia. Yes. Morgantown, Morgantown's a good time, man. We just had a good time there. Our team really liked each other, so we partied a lot, we won a lot, and we just we just kept it moving. I never graduated. Me, Kanye West, Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, we all dropped out of. Yeah, all, all the greats. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of other college dropouts as well. We don't need to get into them, but yeah, I had a good time in Morgantown. Penny pitchers on a Wednesday night. Let's go ahead and do that, and then have a game on Saturday. We had a blast in Morgantown. It's on my list. I did. I did the Grove a few years ago down at Ole Miss. I'm going to LSU in the fall, but Morgantown's on the list just because I'm half afraid of it. Yeah, you should be. I mean, the people are nice. The people are good. I mean, I left there with 27 death threats after a couple missed kicks, but. Perfect. The, the the party the party uh, situation is very hospitable. If you want to have a good time, the place will love you and welcome you in with open arms. That's what Morgantown does. How did that work though? You you got drafted. You you thought you were going to be the kicker, and Polian, I think, was the the president GM at the time. Tells you, no, 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 you're going to be our punter. Do I have yeah. that story right? 
Yeah, yeah. So I was in the Senior Bowl as a kicker. I'm the all-time leading scorer at WVU, which is a huge honor. I'm very thankful for that. I was a kicker there. I had a huge leg, didn't always know where the hell it was going, but everybody thought I was going to get drafted to be a kicker. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys called me like a day before the draft, the special teams coach, and was like, yeah, you're my guy. You're going to come kick for the Cowboys. Real excited. And then Bowie and drafted me to punt. And in college, we did, uh, I punted for two years in college. We did a, a rugby style punt where I'd catch the ball, run to the right, kick it as hard as I can, hope it rolled for a far time. It wasn't right. really like NFL style punting. And then when Bill Polian drafted me, he basically said, yeah, we'll draft you to punt, and we think you're athletic enough to figure it out. And I was like, well, goddamn, we're going to find out, Bill. And I uh, I got real lucky that Bill Polian saw something special in me. He changed my life. No, I, then one, the other story, too, and then we can kind of move forward to where you're at now, but, like, how you even got to a recruiting camp in Florida? You, you, you won yeah. a poker tournament. You had to lie to your parents. It's just yeah, it's, it it's shit that my listeners I don't think are aware of, and I want them to know because your story is such a big part of a reason they should listen to your pod because it's hilarious. Well, I appreciate that. And my podcast is average. They're not all heaters. Every once in a while we'll get on a good conversation, run vitamined up a little bit. Congratulations to Michigan, by the way. Uh, on the vitamin law, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into we're gonna get into that later. I need you to settle something for me and the people in Metro Detroit. But carry on, we'll get to it later. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear it's you versus the city of Detroit, man. Well, look, I, I'm wait. a New Yorker who openly dislikes Detroit teams, and I went to Michigan State when everybody down here is a, is is a Wolverine. So it's an adversarial relationship. They love to hate me, but they 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 also do love me deep in their heart. Uh, Michigan State, tough PR last couple of Not years. a good run. <laughs> Not a good run for the university, Pat. Not a good run on my, or off uh, the field. My uh, my head video guy here at my small business, Evan Fox, went to Michigan State, and he's had to, he's had to take the hell of the Michigan State decision-making for the last couple months in this office, so it was nice to send it to somebody else like you. But, no, uh, my um, – yeah, I mean, I was a soccer player growing up. Played a lot of soccer. Had a – had way more schools and universities and colleges looking at me for soccer than I did for football. I didn't show up to practice much for football. I just showed up on Fridays and kicked my junior and senior year. Very strong leg, obviously. Just didn't know where it was going all the time. But soccer was my passion. And then uh, a business decision came about between like my dad and my mom and I that I would focus on kicking footballs because we were watching a lot of people on Sundays make a lot of money just kicking footballs and only taking three steps to kick the ball instead of running seven miles to kick the ball like soccer. I was playing for our high school football team my senior year. We weren't great. Not a lot of colleges coming after Plum Mustangs, which is where I'm from, my high school. So Kent State found me. Kent State offered me a scholarship. I was going to go to Kent State in the MAC. Uh, I think Julian Edelman might have been a teammate of mine there towards the end. I went on a visit there. Josh Cribbs was in school there. I mean, it was, it was a good time. I enjoyed those people. And then like a month before signing day, I get a call from a guy in Florida. Uh, he runs one-on-one kicking camps. His name was Mike McCabe. He had my phone number because he got my number from Kent State, who had offered me a, a scholarship. That's how he found out. Calls me in the middle of the day. He's like, hey, next week I'm doing a kicking competition down here in Florida. A lot of college coaches are going to be here. I'm just looking for somebody to come compete against my guys, basically. So he had a stable of guys that he was training down in Florida that he wanted me and some other outsiders to come and uh, compete against. And this is my senior year of high school, a month before signing day. They send, he sends me an email. It's like $1,500 to go. It's a week out. And 
my family by no means is uh, broke poor, but we're definitely standard lower middle class family here in America. And fifteen hundred bucks a week out when I already had a scholarship offer right. wasn't a guaranteed yes from my mom and dad. My dad was like, "No way, are we paying fifteen hundred dollars for you to go?" kick against this guy's kickers when you already have a scholarship offer. No way. So I was like, cool, but I really wanted to go. Because to be honest, I'd never competed against many other kickers outside of my little area there. So I didn't know what people could do at my age with footballs, and I had a lot of confidence in me. So I back in the day, that was back when Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker. Oh, my God. That's a throwback like, right there. Yeah, he won like $7 million and ESPN was playing – uh, Wasop was on ESPN like every night for like yeah. four hours. It, it, it swept the world. The poker world swept the world. So we had games and everybody hosted. Every night there was a game around my high school, somebody's garage. They were hosting a poker game. Bring 20 bucks, bring 10 bucks, see what you can make. And I became a pretty good little poker player. I was enjoying the, the money as well. I was spending it on extras and lunch at school and obviously other things like that. And uh, the $1,500 I thought was potentially attainable at this one little larger uh, poker game that I'd heard about. So I borrowed 100 bucks from one of my friends, won into that poker game, and I turned 100 into uh, 1400 <laughs> and then had to borrow 100 from my dad. And uh, I ended up at the camp. I made a 60-yarder. I made a 65-yarder. I missed a 70-yarder wide right. Uh, and the next morning, I got offered from West Virginia, uh, and like four or five other schools reached out to me, and I, I changed my commitment from Kent State to West Virginia that day, and that's, I got real lucky, and I got real hot at the right time, both in the card game and in the field goal kicking game, and I uh, ended up a Mountaineer, and obviously, it's, it's all led to this moment. So I've, I've been, I, on many occasions, have I looked back on my life and and just realize how lucky I am and how stupid this all is. <laughs> well, Pat, it's funny you say that about poker, though, because one of my favorite stories about you, actually, is about blackjack, and it's something that I think is awesome because I agree with you on it. Oh, you, will, you said before, go. and you got a lot of heat for it, but you will split tens against a five or a six in blackjack. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I will split queens. I love it. If there's a bus card on the table... Because that's what kings do. Oh, Christ. God, don't. Do not feed the beast. You, I mean, Sully, this kid already has the quote, Pat, and I can't teach him. He goes, I can't lose at Blackjack. I just got to hang around long enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. If you are an actual Blackjack player, when that bus card's out there, everything in your gut and everything in your body says, you see four, five, or six, and even if you want to get lucky if you're feeling hot with a good deck, a three out there, you get as much money on the damn table as you can. Exactly. This opportunity is not going to come around often <laughs> for you to be one up on the casino. So if you got two queens and there's a six out there, you split that thing and you get double Jesus. the money from the casino because our goal is to walk out of that casino with every chip it has. <laughs> yeah, and then now we go to the cutscene when the dealer turns an eight-card 21 and Sully falls out of his fucking chair. Never happens, right? Well, I mean, every once in a while, you're going to get that. <laughs> Most money on the table. I love that. As possible. All right, Pat, I, I, got, I got two things from your podcast. I need you to straighten out for me. One, please tell me that you have registered Shelby. Please. I'm begging. I, you know, I'll tell you what. I just got back to Indianapolis. You know, I was in Green Bay there, 
immediately after getting Shelby restored. Um, immediately after getting Shelby restored, I left. I drove it around for two days under a 2016 registration. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, I just got back, but I'll let you know, it's rainy. I think the weather's changing. Shelby might be going back into the barn, to be honest with you. I'm not <laughs> sure she's ever going to get registered. Uh, just hearing the story, and again, I encourage people to go listen to the pod. It's just the idea of you tearing up and down or heading into Indy, driving like a madman with a registration that's like three years old. Just get the yeah. damn thing registered, will you please? Yeah, I understand that this is uh, what adults <laughs> would do. I don't always make those decisions. I, I also, I got to tell you, I, and I, it was from a while back, but I, I think he's a player people need to know about, but it's a story that I was taken aback. I had no idea about. You did a sit-down with Darius Leonard. And oh, yeah. the story about his family, and I, I'll be honest, Pat, I, I know it, it hasn't been your profession for a long time, but you're good at the interviews. Do more of them. Like, your interview with him was unbelievable, and just the story regarding his family and his brothers and what the kid's dealing with, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah, I think I think Darius Leonard is, and I appreciate those words. It means a lot to me whenever I can have a good conversation and people can really relate, enjoy, uh, or just kind of just sit through and take in. I, it, it, I take a lot of pride in that. I'm working to get better. I, I watch Joe Rogan and others dominate as well, so I appreciate that. That means a lot. Uh, podcast also gives me a lot of freedom to dig in, but I also have, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, like, little uh, lucky charm, uh, lucky, like a luck thing that I have. A lot of people tend to get their walls down as soon as I start talking to them, because normally they know that they're talking to a bigger idiot than they are. So no matter what they say, no matter what they say, they will not be the dumbest person in the conversation. So I think that kind of relaxes people a little bit, which is good. Um, but Darius Leonard. He is such a, an interesting story because even here in Indianapolis, early on in the season was bad. They're one in five. Obviously, everybody's heard that. But there's this one rookie linebacker that was dominating, but nobody was talking about it because even the local news just wanted to shit on the Colts. You know, it's negativity, hogs, publicity. We're in a turnaround phase. So it was like no love was really going to this guy. And then once I started looking into him a little bit, and then there was a Zach Kiefer from the Indy Star article that kind of profiled him a little bit, I was so intrigued to go talk to him. He's, uh, he's uh, leading the NFL in tackles. He's a rookie. Nobody really saw anything coming out of him. He was from a tiny little school. And then he started learning about him. He's got two brothers in jail, another one dead. He's, he's really had to come up with a chip on his shoulder, and he's a rookie, and he has – zero self-doubt that he can be one of the greats in the game and it's just really cool to find out why the greats are great and that's what i enjoy in uh, in conversation yeah people need to go check it out pat mcafee uh, show 2.0 a couple weeks back i was listening doing some shit around the house and i i love the kid as a player i love him even more now because he just seems like such a good kid and just has overcome so much i think what the two brothers are in jail for murder I mean, it, yep. it's just some crazy shit, and it's just it makes you root for him. I don't root for many players; I root for teams. But that's a kid I can root for. See, I think that is a very common thing. By the way, what you just said, just just like when the lockout happened, right? The players were the bad guys, the teams were the good people. Even though it was the teams locking the players out, you normally root for the team because the team is more associated with the city that you're pulling for, right. as opposed to players that kind of come and go. But I think I think once you I think a main goal of mine is to kind of humanize people and let people know, like, yeah, these are humans too. Even though they're in the NFL, they've made decisions. They're either doing their thing. And 
what makes them tick and what makes them special is kind of something I'm looking for. And Darius Leonard is going to be also married to his high school sweetheart with a baby on the way. You don't really see that often anymore either. So uh, no. uh, he's a he's a he's a really cool cat, and I hope he continues to dominate. All right, a quick break just to talk about our launch sponsor. It's the D Las Vegas. You're looking to get away, relax, have a good time. D Las Vegas has everything you need. I mean, hell, we're there every March for March Madness, and as I've said before, there ain't no better setup. On the strip, off the strip, it don't matter. Go to the D, go to that chalet upstairs, and ain't nothing better. Bottom line, next time you go to Vegas, check out the D.com. Completely renovated. Downtown is not what you remember. Hell of a lot of new places. It's, it's a damn good time. There's really no other way to put it. And again, the D has everything you need. You're not going to spend a ton of money on the room. Take that money and go do fun things with it. Do what Sully does. Make a bunch of losing basketball bets. Or, well, or for Sully, fall asleep on the horse racing machine on the second floor vintage casino. The bottom line, the D's got it all. They got the sports book. They got the long bar. They got it all. Check it out. TheD.com to book your stay today. It's the D.com, the D Las Vegas. And as you know, it is your home for Detroit sports in Vegas. Well, I want to take a minute to talk to you about our good friends over at Coppercraft Distillery on the west side of the state, Holland, Michigan. Been there myself to the distillery, guys. Really cool. I've seen firsthand how great of a job they do with the drinks and the products that they make, whether it's bourbon, whether it's vodka, whether it's whiskey, whether it's gin, whether it's the canned cocktails they're coming out with. They got a ton of great products. Whatever your drink of choice is, it's worth giving Coppercraft a try. Been winning a ton of awards, too. Seriously, tons of awards. So pick it up at your local retailer, whether it's your grocery store, whether it's your local party store. Take a try with Coppercraft. I'm guaranteeing you you're going to love it. I love it. And I'm interested to hear your feedback on it. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And it's a great way just to have a drink with a friend. Great Michigan product to try. And it's worth your time to just go check it out. And, of course, browse around their website, Coppercraft Distillery, Holland, Michigan. Check them out online. Tons of information on there. Coppercraft Distillery. You just come off the heels of making your national TV debut. You called Lions Pack. I want to apologize uh, for you debuting with such a shit game. But your call at this Prater thing is going to create a problem for you. And here, here's what it is. That was a unicorn moment. That call was insane. It was awesome. <laughs> but now it's all downhill from here. How the hell do you do better than that? I, you don't, right? So you just hope that somebody backs up a Brinks truck <laughs> and just pays me strictly off of that moment so I don't have to live up to the hype like that. No, I, um, I, it was magical. And I, I honestly think that there's a chance because Devin Fitzsimmons, who's uh, the assistant special teams coach, you guys didn't name a head uh, special teams coach after letting Marciano go. He was with the coach for two years, friend of mine, good friend of mine. Um, Sam Martin, good friend of mine. Prater, good friend of mine. And I wonder... If there was any little extra, like, hey, let's try to get something for the brand in here this weekend because they gifted me with that. I mean, Prater delivering that dime and doing that play with me in there, I mean, obviously incredible for the Lions playing against the Packers going into the offseason. Great for your fans as well. But from a very, very personal standpoint, being selfish here, that was the nicest thing I think anybody's ever done for me. So I'm very grateful for Prater's dime in the corner, and I will lose my mind any time a kicker or punter does something special like that. But who knows if that'll ever happen again. It was so, too perfect, though, because it's it's literally just like the videos that you post you know, every yeah. week about the NFL, and, and then it happened live. It couldn't have been any more perfect. It did seem kind of planned from that perspective. 
in my head as it was happening, I want to let you know there was a other part of my head that was like, I can't believe this is happening right now. I cannot believe this is happening right now because if anybody now, granted, I'm not for everybody, right? I, I've learned that in my 31 years. There's some people where it's going to take some time. Some of my closest friends hated me when they first met me because they think it's a shtick or they think I'm just doing. This is just every day, man. I'm literally like that every single day, and it's just. Uh, I, I'm very lucky that Fox gave me the opportunity, and then I'm incredibly grateful that Matt Prater did or Sam, yeah, Matt Prater did that, and Sam Martin was out there, and friends of mine were making magic. It's, uh, I'm very, very thankful. So, what's the plan? I mean, look, it's obvious you can do it. You're different. You were trending. I, look, you were providing some personality in a sea of goddamn robots. That's the problem with with television and watching football now. So, what's the plan? I mean, are you going to do more of it? Hey, that means a lot, what you just said there, by the way, because I've always, uh, since the day I retired, I knew that there might be, because I tweet swear words and I swear in my stand-up comedy and I talk to adults, and the NFL is very much a family thing, so I knew that there was going to be issues getting into the NFL talking world, but I always thought that I could add something to the NFL coverage and kind of, I thought I could help the game out, you know? Like, I'm very thankful for the league and the game of football, but... After becoming a NFL watcher here for the last year and a half, two years after since retirement, to me football is something different than what the, the way they're calling it. To me, football is a fun thing. Yes. It's a celebrational thing. It's a you're you're watching people do incredible acts of athleticism. It's just like to me that's what football is, and I've always felt it as that way. And I've always said that I think I can add something to the coverage. It was just whether or not these executives could ever come around to it and. To be honest, I haven't signed officially with the WWE. They've just offered me a multi-year deal. Apologies. So think, Sorry. Well, no, it's not your fault. The The Internet blew up and said that I signed it. It was everywhere. And there's a holiday here, so I guess there's something with uh, lawyers. I guess there's something with lawyers <laughs> during this holiday. I don't, I don't have enough degrees to know. That's why it isn't officially signed yet. But it's not that big of a deal. A deal with the WWE is basically done. And... Um, They've helped me out immensely. They were the first people to, to give me a chance to go on a live microphone on their network, on WWE Network, and I'm very, very grateful for them. And I've got a chance to talk to the Fox people now, the ESPN people, NBC were in some conversations. It's just I have no clue what's going to happen. I don't know if anybody's going to give me a shot or not, but I really hope they do. And I, uh, I'll never forget the day the Lions beat the Packers 31-zip. And uh, it was just uh, an awesome Sunday for me. Well, here's what I want you to do. This is, this is what I need from you. I want you to pursue it, and then I want you to take Tony Romo's job and get him off my television. <laughs> Can you do that for me? Because he is I, – I, listen, this is me saying it. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm just giving you how I feel. That, A, Nance wants to kill him, and B – it's like fake enthusiasm, and it, he sounds like a guy who's just who's got to take a shit. It, it's ridiculous. You are like legitimate enthusiasm, and it's fun, and that's your personality. Pursue it, and then get him off my TV. Can you do that for me? Well, I think you'll probably see the same type of reaction, maybe not as polar, but I think there's some people that love Tony Romo. There's some people that don't love Tony Romo, but I think that's the, that's the part of it. I just hope they get me in rotation. I would like to be, obviously, um, from a business standpoint, I would love to make it into a primetime booth uh, somehow, but I don't know if that will happen, but I will work my ass off for you. Thank and every you. other 
football fans around the world. But I think the uh, business is going there, Pat. I think it is because, like, I, I grew up with Madden and Summerall. And Madden, even though he's a legendary coach, was a personality. Made the game fun. You know, he's busy doodling on your screen and making, you know, comic book sound effects. I think for 15, 20 years, we've had robots. We just find ex-athletes who have no personality, or if they do, don't want to use it. I think it's going to a place now where there's an opportunity for guys like you. Because, as like, I'm only 38. I'm not dead. I want fun. I don't want serious all the time. That means a lot. I appreciate that. And that's been an interesting, that's been an interesting conversation behind doors, to be honest, it, it, because I meet with these executives, right? I, so I signed with an agent for the first time in my life three months ago, right? I officially signed with an agent three months ago. CAA flew out here to meet me. And um, I, I always was very proud of the fact that I was an independent operation, sending tweets out one tweet at a time, building, and then, negotiating deals myself and i've always i always prided myself on that and then caa was like hey we think we can help you a little bit if you want obviously and i signed with them and then i've been flying around for like the last four months just meeting people handshaking with people because a lot of these people have a lot of questions about me after reading through my tweets i guess and every the first conversation with all of them went like well, what player or former player do you see your career modeling after? Oh, God. I don't think I'm like anybody. I don't think I'm like Oh, yeah, Rondé so, Barber. I mean, what, what the hell did they think you were going to say? <laughs> yeah, David well, that's, Deal. That's, but I want to let you know, that's like kind of what you're dealing with, though. So everything you're saying is very accurate. It's a plug-and-place type uh, system right now. Just plug this guy out, plug this guy in. And hopefully, I think Fox letting me on the air is so incredibly kind of them and I think they're starting to get it a little bit. It, hopefully, I can kind of uh, break that mold. But, I mean, I think there's a spot for everybody in the game. That's why football is beautiful. I, I just want your, your unfiltered take on it. And one is, because I'm the wrong guy to talk to, because I hate Michigan with all my heart, and I think Jim Harbaugh's a lunatic. I want just right now, Harbaugh, your, your spin on it. What the hell is this guy, and, and how does this all end? I think he, um, I think he slept at a kicker's house, didn't he? I mean, that he did do a sleepover, and and uh, with Quinn Nordine is the kid you're thinking of. Yeah, good yeah, look. And, hey, by the way, Quinn Nordine was uh, has a big leg. I like his personality. That backup kicker seems to be doing great as well. Michigan's got two good kickers up there. That's always nice to have. Harbaugh, I have no idea, man. I, I feel like the stories I've heard about him through the locker room. I was teammates with a lot of Stanford guys, and then a lot of people that are with him with the Niners came over to our locker room. He's a guy who he knows that his his time can come up in each place where they can run its course. I think Harbaugh understands that, but uh, it's obvious that he has something special. He keeps landing huge jobs. He has some success, and then it kind of stops. And I, I think he'll end up back in the NFL at some point, but who knows after how long. Yeah, I got to tell you, if it, if it were up to fans around here, it's sooner rather than later. It's it's a weird scene. The guy comes. Right? Oh, Pat, the guy comes here like the Messiah, right? Walks on water. Yes, it's it's a oh, Michigan man, a Michigan man. Oh, right, right, right. He came home to fix everything. Yeah. Pat, I mean, the, the guy's one and nine against top ten teams. He's two and seven against rivals. Uh, it, it, they're one and three against. I mean, the bowl game against Florida was a debacle, and he's over there on the sidelines like he's. Uh, you know, like he took a NyQuil instead of a DayQuil. I mean, fans are irate because it's like, what is this? This isn't what we signed on for. 
Yeah, yeah, but he wore he wears khaki. Right. Oh, I forgot. Oh, and he uses the only headset with a cord on it of any coach in America. Got it. I listen. I, I think sometimes things work, sometimes things don't. A fresh start can help both sides of the party, but I have no idea. I've never met the man. All right, talk to me about Matthew Stafford because he's public enemy number one in this town. I want your spin on it. People are just, they're burnt out. They're tired. They want to change the scenery, so to speak. What do you make of Matthew Stafford? I didn't know that. After after talking with him the night before the game, we got the chance to do the pre-production meetings. That was my first time officially meeting him face-to-face other than like a a fifth bump on the field pregame or something like that. Right. Um, he seems to genuinely love Detroit. And I think a lot of his answers were revolving around wanting to be uh, a part of something, bringing back a trophy to Woodward, basically. That's how I knew the word Woodward yesterday <laughs> whenever I said Prater Singh is because Matthew Stafford said he wants to be on a parade float with the Lombardi break down Woodward, and I was like, what's Woodward? And he was like, ah, oh, it's like our main street. I was like, oh, okay, good. So every answer he gave revolved around wanting to remain in Detroit, but I can see how a fan base will get worn out after years and years and years and years. Um, you know yeah, what the problem is, Pat? Pat, let, let, let me just, I want to interject this, because what you've just said, what he told you in a production meeting, is more than he has ever given the fans and media of this city publicly in a decade. He says nothing. It's a collection of ums and cliché. If he would come out and say what he said to you in that production meeting, this town would fall all over him. That is, I, I mean, Sully damn near fell out of his chair when you were saying what you were saying. Because Been waiting for that. And he, especially just to say Woodward, to say I want this. Like, he never right. says that. Nothing, Pat. Nothing. Really? That's so. And listen, I don't. I don't think I pay attention enough to to Detroit media, and I should now, especially after hearing all the drama happening up there. This is incredible. Yeah, it's a real um, uplifting town right now. It's the, it's the well, place to be. Well, success is right around the corner. I think and that thirty-one zip game. I think Matt Patricia is going to plug and put in his people in there uh, from top to bottom, and I think you're really going to. Now, granted, it could go terrible, like a lot of Belichick's disciples, but I think. I think what he was preaching, I, I could, I could, uh, I could agree with in that meeting. I enjoyed talking to Matt Patricia as well. I did not know that about Matthew Stafford, by the way. I did not know that, but he definitely said that to us. And um, I wonder why, though. Maybe that's uh, maybe he doesn't like the media. Maybe he doesn't like the local. Media. This is not me saying he does. I've never. I've only talked to him once. But maybe. Uh, Maybe he hates you guys. I wonder why you hate him. <laughs> why won't he tell you guys anything? No, it's, it's for do? the fans. Like I'm always a big believer. Like, I, I, like who cares about the media? The media doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. As a player, anything you say, you have to do it with the fans in mind. Like to, to hell with now, the media. Hold on, though. I, I can I can interrupt that. Media definitely matters. You guys. Now, granted, social media has completely changed that. Right. I think it's social media has given everybody the opportunity to have their own voice, but the media definitely picks and chooses what stories about who won out earlier in sports. I mean, Agreed. Er, yeah, it was. I mean, that's why nobody had a clue who I was here in Indianapolis. Everybody thought Hunter Smith, the previous punter, was still the punter of this team all the way up until the Super Bowl, I think, or maybe even until I got arrested because it was the media who controlled completely what everybody knew about anything. So I think there's a very, very vital role of the media to be honest because their opinions your opinions mean a lot and i I think you can persuade a lot of other people's opinions too so i think the media is very important just strictly 
because of how much your how much weight your opinion holds on stuff because you you have better brains than most people. That's how they think in this when it comes to this realm. But with that being said, I do believe Matthew Stafford should let the city know how he feels about it, especially because the city has given a lot to Matthew Stafford, I believe. Um, and, and I think with social media now, you can you can kind of do that yourself, even if you do hate media. So you're 100% right. I think he could reach out to the fans if he needed to. But well, and here's he the other problem. Guy. Well, he and a quiet guy. He is. No, no. And this is the thing. And like I, we had Boomer Esiason on. I do an NFL show on Sundays. And, you know, Boomer came on with us. And, and, and he talked about how he believes Stafford's a locker room lawyer and he needs to be a locker room leader. And, like, we had – I'm not going to go down the list of people, but, I mean, the criticisms of him are simple. He just wants to be one of the guys. But you can't be that when you're making thirty million dollars a year. You got to be the guy. You got to be the alpha. You got to be the guy. And it's like the only thing we've ever heard from Matthew Stafford is when his wife goes to social media and knocks the fans. Like that's that's what we've gotten in ten years. I'm serious, Pat. I'm not kidding. That's why. All right. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send. Uh, I don't. Does he? Does Matthew Stafford have social media? No. no. Uh, I was going to say I was going to slide in his DMs somehow, but I guess I can't do that. Oh, Maybe ro- I romantic. A, what I'll do is I'll put in a request through the Lions. I'll be like, hey, I'd like to have an interview with um, with somebody. And then I'll have that person relay the message to Matthew Stafford. Like, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you say what you said to – uh, in the production meeting to the fans, the fans would love to hear that. Right. I oh, the fans would, would eat it up. He would like to hear that, too, though, you know? Fans would eat like it up, and it would help him. Honestly. It's just one of those deals. That's a win-win I was... for both sides there. Correct. I, wow, this is eye-opening. All right. Now, listen, a couple last things for you. This one's a selfish one. I need to know the answer. And then I want a couple words on the WWE stuff. St. Elmo's overrated, underrated. I think they got good meat. I think they got good meat. The shrimp cocktail's. Uh, good. I think it's a. I think it's a good steakhouse. I don't enjoy it because it's kind of like it's set back in like the Titanic. You kind of feel like you're eating in the Titanic. <laughs> it's like so you're in the basement of the Titanic. <laughs> oh, I just. I don't. I just think it's kind of. It's a highbrow place. You know, it's like a really nice place. It's like you're taking a take a trip back in time. It's like a really nice place. I would rather go to Harry and Izzy's, which is the next same door, yeah. menu, I think, right next yep. door, and it's like a sports bar. Yeah, no, that place is cool. I, I just had to ask, because I always make jokes to Michigan fans, like they couldn't find Indianapolis with two hands and a flashlight because they can never get to the Big Ten title game. And I always bring up St. Elmo's, Hello. like, hey now. So, like, if they can just ever make a goddamn trip there, like, I'll get you a table. So it's it's always a running joke on our show, and you're an indie, you're indie royalty, so I wanted to ask the question to you. I love it. I love the place. Um, talk oh, to me about the right. WWE stuff, just so people know what, what you can speak on. What is it, a content deal that's on the table? Yeah, so I've been doing, um, Michael Cole is the first person uh, from any network, I mentioned this earlier, to reach out to me and let me on their network, right? So I don't know how Michael Cole heard about me or found me. I have no idea. But he ended up calling me and asking me if I wanted to do their NXT pre-show, which is basically was set up to be a tryout. Let's see how this guy does. They know that I've been a big WWE fan my entire life. They know all these things, so they wanted to see if I could do it at all. So they put me on the WrestleMania TakeOver pre-show. I started talking on there. I got a chance to meet the entire WWE family. Not entire, I mean, I've shaken Vince McMahon's hand one time, but so that's not really like meeting and Stephanie McMahon, same thing. But when it comes to, to Triple H and all the people pulling the trigger down there for the NXT stuff, I've got a chance to befriend a lot of them. And 
conversations have just evolved and how they can get me involved. And at first, uh, uh, the, the conversation was, well, let's just sign them in for the pre-shows. And then the, the, the conversations eventually grew into, well, I kind of want a little bit. I think I can get in more and do more with you guys. So they, it was a give and take. And now there's like an official multi-year deal on the table. It'll start out as uh, digital content stuff and then move into more pre-show stuff and maybe some commentating stuff or interview stuff. And, and we'll just see what happens from there. I, I think, I think honestly, uh, it, it's a, it's an incredible upside potential, but we'll see how it all works out. It's, it's the entertainment business and they run an incredible ship over there. That's been live on TV for 25 years. I mean, it's, they're an incredible little universe in and of itself. And we're just, I'm trying to get in there, and they they want me in there, and we just got to figure out how to do it. So before we wrap, it's just one note about you that I, I think it's important for people to know, and it's it's awesome. Uh, I wanted you to just put a couple words out there for our people about your foundation uh, and and what you're doing for military families, et cetera, the Pat McAfee Foundation. I just I think it's kick-ass, and I wanted to make sure I made it a part of what we're doing today. Oh, I appreciate that. That means a lot, and uh, thanks for bringing it up. I'm very lucky to have a father. My dad basically has helped me with this foundation for the last five years. We've been raising money uh, for children of military families and giving them comfort scholarships, basically. So we can't pay for their exact uh, schooling, but everything around it, basically. So books and food, you name it, right? So uh, we've given out 68 scholarships over the last five years. Five hundred thousand dollars worth of scholarships. We saw one lady joined us in her sophomore year. She won the. We give out multiple uh, scholarships yearly. She won multiple years in a row. She became a pharmacist. It was like it was. It's been such a cool experience. And uh, we're a five hundred one c three. And uh, every year, it's some of the coolest stuff imaginable. Calling a uh, child of a military family, letting them know, like, hey, we're giving you a ten thousand dollars scholarship uh, to hopefully help ease a little bit of struggle in the family and hopefully set up the future to be something successful uh, financially. No, it's awesome. Well, listen, uh, you got a million things going on. You're kicking ass at all of them. You give us hope uh, for those of us who have opinions that are unpopular. So keep kicking ass, and thank you so much for joining us, man. Truly. Hey, well... Stop burying people over there. It sounds like you're trying to bury people over there. And uh, Let me tell you something. Humans. Come up and we're tape an episode of the pot up here, and you watch the Pistons play or the Red Wings play or the Lions play, <laughs> and it, tell me why, whether you're going to be smiling. You'll be ready to spin hey. Shelby out in your driveway again. Hey, you got to saw down a tree with that car sometimes. Um, <laughs> I saw that the Red Wings lost 5-1, too, the night before the Lions game. I'm a, I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Penguins fan. And uh, I, I tried. I in, it was by the way, it was very close to coming out because I think the Detroit people deserve uh, some success in their lives, and I just didn't want to be the. I didn't want to remind, especially in the thirty-one nothing game. It was a positive game, a lot of good things. There was no reason for me to bring up the Red Wings losing five to one, but it, it almost came out a couple of times where I was like, these Detroit people deserve this thirty-one nothing. Especially after the five to one loss yesterday for the Red Wings. No, you should have brought it. I would have loved it. I, they, you I know, know but but you, the people don't deserve it. I, I want everybody to just have a good time in this life. The things going to end quick. Let's keep it moving. That's all. All right. I let, appreciate you having me on, brother. No, nah, Pat, appreciate it. And one last thing, just real quick. Ever since midseason, I've been. I think the Colts, if they got in, were the most dangerous wild card. Am I out of my mind for thinking they can win a few games here? They're really hot right now, man. They're red They're hot. Really hot. 
And they're they're a real team too. Like you, it's not a lot of big time players. Darius Leonard's leading that defense right now. They got some great, but they've come together nicely. And I think Aaron Rodgers mentioned this uh, in the production meeting. He said camaraderie matters in a team because when you're playing for somebody instead of with somebody, it's a whole different animal. And the Colts seem to really like each other, and they're hot right now. And Andrew Luck and Frank Reich seem to be on the same page. They're kind of they got very similar personalities. So. Frank Wright's pulling all the right strings. Andrew Luck's delivering, and that team has come together nicely. All right, you're the man. Pat, we'll talk. Thank you again, and best of luck in all your endeavors. Hey, cheers, boys. Appreciate it. You got it. Winter's here, and that means energy bills are rising. You can reduce your power bill with help from Power Home Solar, the number one residential solar provider in Michigan and one of the top solar installation companies in the entire USA. Power Homes installs American-made panels with a 30-year warranty. It allows you to own your power, not just continually rent it from a power company. As an official partner of the Detroit Lions, the company installed solar panels at Ford Field and the Allen Park facility earlier this year and seeks to continue building a movement towards cleaner, greener energy by seeing if solar is right for your home. Go to powerhome.com. That's powerhome.com. Or you can give them a call, 1-800-SOLAR-15. That's one 800 Solar 15 to schedule your free solar consultation today. Don't rent your power, own it with help from Power Home. All right, that wraps up another week on Always Aggravated. Make sure to go to radio.com or iTunes, subscribe, review, rate, do whatever you want to do. Share it, grow it. 